Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Deep Dive podcast presented by the awesome Queen Anne Beer Hall. Uh, we got a, a very full podcast today, RJ. Lots of stuff to talk about. Going to start off with some quick hit Kraken news. Move into my experience at the first ever Firebirds home game at Aquasher Arena out there in Coachella Valley. And then going to get to the awesome mailbag questions submitted by everybody out there. Some really good questions in there. Happy to be doing one of those. That's our first one since the season started, I think, right? Yes, it is. It's been too long. This is a long overdue mailbag. And uh, thanks, everyone who submitted questions. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to all that stuff. But as I said, we're going to start off with some, some quick hit cracking news here, uh, including a very special message today. RJ, take us away. Yes. So the special message is happy birthday, Will Borgen. Uh, it is December 19th. Will Borgen turned 26 today. Uh, so wishing him a very happy birthday. Uh, and he seemed to be having a happy birthday. The Kraken practiced this morning. Uh, he brought a lot of energy to practice. Seemed like he was having a real good day um, and uh, was having a good time out there. Uh, even give us some shoves back and forth with his teammate uh, and roommate, Matty Beniers. Um, and I did ask him about that after mm-hmm. practice. I'm like, hey, saw you guys give him a little shoves there. He's like, yeah, I got to toughen him up. Um, so that was that was pretty funny there from from Borgen um, and uh, asked Carson Susie, of course, his, his friend on the team and who's sitting next to him there in the locker room stall if he was going to get anything, if he'd gotten anything for him for his birthday. And he said, uh, I told him happy birthday. That's all he gets. <laughs> <laughs> so but it seems like Borgen's kind of more of a low key birthday kind of guy. So I won't belabor the point too long, uh, but uh, happy birthday to Will Borgen. Hope he has a really good day. Um, so anyway. Uh, Will Borgen's birthday, a very minor storyline at practice yeah. today. Uh, the major storyline was that practice happened at all uh, because it's kind of been a tradition this season, Dylan, you know this, mm-hmm. uh, that after a win, Davy Jones had is given out. The guy who receives it's like, all right, you know, great game, boys, played really well. No practice tomorrow. <laughs> and, and the coaching staff's usually been on board. Uh, but this last game, uh, after a win against the Winnipeg Jets, um, Ryan Donato gets the Davy Jones hat. He's like, all right, what we got, Hack? And he's like, you'll be on the ice at 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well yeah. can't say anything back to that one, I guess. Yep, and uh, and Haxtell also was kind enough to to break the news to us last night. Um, you know, right after the uh, the presser after the game, he's like, "Hate to break it to you guys, but uh, practice tomorrow, 11 a.m." And we're like, "Oh, okay." I was gonna say, so, who's more upset to hear that, the players or the media? Um, you know what? I feel like the players had more reason to be upset since they actually had to be on the ice in hockey gear skating, but probably the media. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we can be a bit of a spoiled bunch of times. Um, but, uh, well, I, I, or I think there was also the segment of the media. It's just like, all right, well, I'm not making that one. Yeah. Uh, so yes, but, um, it, it was practice after a win, which is a bit unusual. So, um, of course I, I made sure to ask Hackstall after practice, you know, what the team can get out of a practice like today that maybe you can't when the schedule's more condensed and you take the day off. Um, and, and I thought his answer was interesting because uh, he basically said, look, we're we're not working on anything new here. It's basically just about um, – 
getting the reps in, getting, um, you know, that, that crispness and that smoothness back in, in our movements, in our systems and everything that we do, it's, it's kind of more like a tune up, um, you know, than, than kind of implementing anything new. And I think, you know, after the last few games, look, the crack can have, you know, they, they've lost more than they've won over the last six or seven games. Um, and when that's the case, I think, you know, maybe you want to take an opportunity to, to tighten things up a little bit uh, with a couple big games coming up. Yeah, I mean, this that's kind of been the, the story of the, the post-game, you know, lives that we've been doing is, hey, the Kraken need to work on this, that, or the other, right? Um, whether it's defensive play from the forwards, defensive play from the defenders, the fact that you've been, you know, you were missing two defenders for a little while. We'll get to that in a second. Um, special teams, both the power play and the PK, that's all, all needed work. Um, so I, I think that it was probably the... The smart call to go ahead and go with practice today. I, I understand why Hackstall would want to do that. I, I think it's in the best interest of the club. Um, do they work on anything super specific today? Like, like maybe one of those things I just mentioned? <laughs> well, I mean, not super specific. They did take some time to work on special teams. And that's kind of how we talked about it too. It's about a 40-minute practice. And he said, look, we picked out one thing to work on five on five. And then we worked on special teams and that's kind of the two things that we zeroed in on um and so yeah it was nothing you know ultra specific but just basically you know some main area there's of their game i mean if i had to pick you know what i think that one thing was because of course he wouldn't tell us Mm -hmm. um you know i think it was play like play through the neutral zone really fast Mm -hmm. basically getting those plays through the neutral zone with speed getting them crisp um and and getting those passes from the d zone to the neutral zone into the offensive zone and just doing it all at speed really quickly so that's kind of from what i saw he wouldn't confirm what the one (laughs) thing was uh but that's that's my take so you're saying once again a crack in practice was focused on transition play Yes, exactly. That's, that, that. Thank you. You said in two words what I was trying to get across there. No, but I mean, like, wait a sec. Picturing the drill. Okay, so they're in the D zone and then they're going. Transition play. Thank you, Dylan. Yeah, I, and I didn't even mean it like that. I only meant it in the sense that, like, I think we could label every crack in practice a practice of transition. It's kind of been the hallmark of uh, of this team so far in these first two seasons. Uh, but that is something that they needed to work on. I mean, we had a lot of talk about that, especially after the last game, or, or not the last game, the last game I watched, uh, right? Where where it was just like, hey, why are, just just move the puck forward, like just keep it moving, especially on the power play or at, at certain times in the game where you're trying to build momentum, get momentum going, just get the puck in the offensive zone and then try to make a play. Don't don't try to do too much along the way there. So uh, I am happy to hear that, and I think that again, prudent move something that's going to help out the team in the long term there. Um, yeah, definitely. Now, one of the one of the other things that we had been talking about and that is now um, you know, a little bit different. I alluded to it earlier is that the the defense is is kind of all back together. Every, everybody's back, Alexiak's back, Schultz is back. Um, first off, how how's everybody looking there? Everything look look good? Solid? Yeah. Everything looks great. And I think last game, last night's game confirmed that basically with Alexiak and Schultz both coming back. Um, and I asked Dave Haxtell what the impact of getting those two back was. And he said, I mean, look, he just saw it, uh, you know, out there on the ice. He said, I, I'm not sure their exact ice time, but I think both those guys were, you know, we're well over the 20 minute mark and it shows, you know, what they can do for our team. Alexiak on the PK um, and, and Schultz on the power play as well. And of course, Schultz getting uh, an assist on the game 
game-winning goal from Jared McCann too. So making an immediate impact uh, on the score sheet coming back. So um, both of them were in that 19 to 20 minute mark. Uh, And it's just been great having both of them back. It makes a big difference. Yeah, I was going to say it makes a huge difference. I'm trying to pull up the... uh... The ice times here so I can see Schultz got uh, 1935 with three minutes and five seconds of power play time blowing done out of the water there only at 55 uh, seconds and then uh, Alexiak with 20 and a half minutes of ice time uh, so yeah it is it is nice for them to have those guys that they can put out there kind of lean on again in their respective uh, ways and fields of specialty i guess we'll say yeah <laughs> uh so yeah happy about that one and uh yeah it, it, things should be things should be looking up for the kraken here moving forward hopefully they build some momentum off that big win yesterday against the winnipeg jets now there is some other fun kraken news rj uh that was announced over the course of this past week why don't you fill everybody in on that yes uh so we well we talked about uh the world juniors a little bit Last year, uh, I mean, last last week's podcast. Thank oh, we you. did. <laughs> I mean, that's true. That is true. <laughs> On last week's podcast, we talked about the World Juniors a little bit, uh, and especially as it pertains to Shane Wright. Uh, we got a little bit more news there. Shane Wright uh, has been named captain of Team Canada for the World Juniors. So uh, big honor for him, and especially with that tournament taking place in Canada, you know, at home, they're going to have home ice. Uh, that's going to be huge for for him and that team. Yeah, it's absolutely massive. It shows uh, where, you know, obviously the Team Canada organization feels Shane Wright's at, what he's going to mean to this group. We talked about it, like you said last week, should be, you know, starting center for this team. Uh, that That's kind of the one area of weakness that looks obvious based off of the roster that they decided to go with. And uh, Shane Wright, you know, he, we know he's got the skill. We know he's got everything Um I'm just so excited to get these games played already. Like, why we got to wait another week still? It's ridiculous. I know. It feels like (laughs) all this stuff's been announced already. We've been waiting for so long. I mean, what, Shane Wright, you know, you last played for the Kraken on the the 6th, (laughs) you know, almost two weeks ago, uh, and we still haven't got the World Juniors starting yet. So I can't wait. Um, And a little bit more World Juniors news, just uh, with a couple Kraken prospects, uh, Nicholas Coco, the goalie, and then uh, forward Yanni Newman, uh, made the Finnish roster for the world uh, for the world juniors. So I will also be keeping an eye on uh, some of those team Finland games, couple second round picks for the crack and uh, looking to make a big impact on that team. Yeah. And this one was really exciting. Uh, Newman has been fantastic all season playing over in Liga and has been good with the Finnish national team in any sort of recreational games that they've been playing. He's been absolutely killing it. So I expect uh, Yanni Newman to be like, just a big deal part of this team. I really think he's going to surprise a lot of people on this uh, international stage. And then with uh, Nicholas Coco, kind of surprising. Finland decides to go with three goaltenders for this tournament. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how how much he gets, how much work he gets in here, because uh, I do believe he is the the most junior of the three netminders that they decided to bring mm-hmm. this go round. So, um, but you know, both both other guys there. This is going to be their last shot at a world junior. Uh, Coco is the future for Team Finland. So maybe you just bring him along just to get him the experience of going through the tournament, working with everybody. Uh, I don't know. Um, but uh, that one, it's very intriguing to me that they decided to make that decision and, and go that route. But I'm really happy for him. Yeah, agreed. And I, I think there's something to that as far as just getting him around the team, getting him in the swing of things, given that, like you said, he, he probably is the future for them in net. Maybe you're looking at next year. He's got a real good chance to be the starter. 
Yeah, the rest of that Finnish team tends to skew a little bit younger. They still have guys that will be eligible uh, for another season after this. So, yeah, I, I think there is something to that, especially with the defense. Uh, so interesting stuff there for the World Juniors. Again, I just just want it to happen. Like, what? I know. Just, come on already. I love it. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite <laughs> things uh, in hockey every season. And then finally, one more uh, note, thing of note for the Kraken, a bit based around the Kraken. It was announced this past week that they will be doing another skills showcase, RJ. Uh, why don't you give everybody the, the news around that? Yes, and I am so, so excited for this. This was one of the best events of the whole season uh, last year, the Super Skills Showcase, uh, where all the Kraken players come together to show off their best skills, you know, hardest shot, fastest skater, relay race, you know, goalies making saves, goalies taping sticks, uh, chirping abilities, everything that you can imagine. Um, it's going to be there at this event, the Super Skills Showcase. So it takes place at Climate Pledge Arena, January 22nd. So mark that date on your calendar. Cannot recommend highly enough that you go to this thing. And the best part about it is that it's super accessible, um, you know, for all fans in the area. I know how expensive Kraken tickets can be. Uh, it can be really hard to get into the building for a game. But tickets go on sale, $15. They've Actually, they've been on sale since the 15th. Uh, there's still tickets available. Uh, but $15, it, it's a good price point. You can bring yourself, bring the whole family. Uh, it's going to be a super, super fun event. I will be there. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I would not miss it. It's going to be great. Cannot recommend highly enough. If you don't have tickets, if you are if you have not already made plans to go, go do that, right? Well, do it after you listen to the rest of the podcast, <laughs> but do it right after that. Hey, we live in we live in 2022, almost 2023. People can multitask. You can keep this podcast rolling on your phone while you go and order some tickets. Uh, we'll we'll just we'll we'll wait. We'll pause here and wait for you. How's that? There we go. There all right, go. we're good. <laughs> good. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, I that one. Oh, I got to see if I can somehow extend my trip for that one because I like I don't want to miss that. I know. I've been meaning to ask come you on. about that. Come on, I don't want to do that. Oh well. Um, but I guess, well, speaking of, of travel for me, uh, not just me coming up there to, to do those awesome events uh, at Queen Anne Beer Hall on the 14th and 16th, the, uh, the watch party for the, on January 14th for that Chicago game starting at 5 p.m., and then the post-game live after that, and then the post-game live after uh, the Kraken game on uh, January 16th against Tampa, the post-game live after that home game. Um, I did tr did make a little bit of a travel. It's, it doesn't feel like it because I was gone less than 24 hours, but I did head out to <laughs> Coachella Valley, um, really Palm Springs, uh, to see the inaugural game at Aquashire Arena, home of the Firebirds, the AHL affiliate of the Seattle Kraken. And let me tell you, RJ, I had a really good time. I had a lot of fun going out there, and uh, I it, there's so much to talk about here. I can't wait to, to dive into it. Yeah, absolutely. It looked like you had an awesome time. You, you were kind enough to join us on post game yes. live after the Jets game and, and give us just a little bit of a window into that game. Uh, but I'm sure that you got so much more to tell us today. Yeah, I joined right uh, kind of the second half of the third period, right as Tucson was kind of like pouring it on and, and maybe gaining some momentum and was kind of making this game closer than it had been throughout. So it was uh, it was an interesting time to be hopping on post game. But uh to, to do kind of like a, a deep dive into uh, what it's like to go to Aquashore Arena. First off, got to start off with the location. So it's it's very much in Palm Springs. Uh, I know the team's called Coachella Valley, but it's very much in Palm Springs. 
and the arena is located in a really nice spot just off the 10. So the 10 big interstate highway cuts right through there. And it is, you know, as far as like getting off an off ramp and getting to the arena, assuming no, like, like a ton of arena traffic two three minutes. Like it's, it's just right there. You can see it from the freeway. Uh, so I think, you know, a plus as far as location, plenty of parking, uh, that's another good thing. Lots of parking. Nobody should have an issue with that one. Uh, they did have a shuttle service too, from the far end of the parking lot up to the arena. They were just running buses back and forth. So I don't know if that was just for opening night or if that'll be a regular thing, but it helped out a lot of the, um, uh, older or, uh, anybody else who needed that. Um, that was cool. They have a nice little like outside area set up. Like the whole thing is done very much desert, like, uh, lots of, you know, desert grasses, all the kind of succulents, all the stuff that you'd expect around it, but it all looks really nice. Um, and then outside they have a uh, kind of like a, I don't know, like a, it's like a outside food court kind of strip where there's just vendors on either side of you. And they do have a Shaq's Big Chicken there. Got a little pizza one. They've got a couple bars. Um, so that was kind of a cool thing. It's 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 shade, It's partially shaded, and it just kind of created this fun atmosphere for hanging out before the doors opened. You could kind of walk around. You could get something to eat for all the people who were there for the fan fest or for the red carpet experience uh, when they introduced the players, that also. Uh, but I, I thought that that was kind of a nice touch to have some concessions outside for before or after the game you can go ahead and, and hit that up um they they it also helped make up for the fact that there's not a ton of food inside the arena so it's kind of one of those where you might want to grab food like get there early have some food hang out outside with everybody and then go into the game i will i will mention that for everybody not a ton of food options once you're in the arena um uh, although there's plenty of kettle corn they partnered with a local okay. ke- a local kettle corn uh, place, and boy, let me tell you, I think I I think every person in that building bought a bag of this kettle corn. Everybody was totally digging it, so I guess you got to try the kettle corn, the local kettle corn. I, I wasn't able to get a, a name, um, but uh, that 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 stuff was flying off the shelves. Um, so yeah, so then uh, as far as like yesterday went, they had the 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 fan fest out front they had some carnival games they had a little uh like street hockey thing for kids to try out they had free face painting free sign making that was a lot of fun uh lots of people got their faces painted lots of signs were made that's always fun they did have a santa and mrs claus meet and greet in front of a giant like absolutely giant christmas tree out there i saw the pictures that thing looked huge that thing was really big (laughs) it was it was absolutely (laughs) huge and then uh they had a red carpet to introduce the team and so I'll throw up some pictures of that on the YouTube version of the podcast here. And that was really cool. Just to get to see everybody. You can tell uh, how into it the, the diehard fans that were there early. Cause this was almost three hours before puck drop uh, that they did this red carpet. So everybody there was, they were like the real diehard fans. They were having a great time. The players absolutely loved it. Uh, you could tell they were having a good time too. So that was a lot of fun. And then we were able to go in early and kind of get a a little mini tour of the arena. Um, Jen and I and the other uh, members of the media. And so and then we just kind of had access to wander around and find up, find out all the cool stuff. So in the arena, it does feel like it was um, definitely built with concerts in mind. Uh, as far as like the mm-hmm. seating arrangement, if you look at a seating chart, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. One side of the one side of the arena is the normal kind of curved around the ice, just like you'd expect at a, at a hockey rink or a, a hockey arena. The other side kind of comes flat, 
and then it's um it like extendable out bleachers that fill out that section for for everybody to sit in and then you could tell that that would be retracted whenever they have a concert and, and a stage could be put there instead uh so you could tell that they that they very much had this in mind as a dual purpose arena with concerts being <laughs> one of the one of the big factors in that that being said i think everybody had a good time with that I, it didn't create any sort of like issues there are two sections that like technically they're like mini sections they technically don't look at the ice but it's it's not a big deal i was seated uh, at a media table at the top of one of those and it it really wasn't a problem at all uh you're on the corner anyway which if you've heard me talk before corners are the best spot because it lets you see the most of the ice uh so i don't mind it and then uh so that was really cool the video board, nice, big, bright. You can see it from anywhere unless you're seated in those seats uh, on those extendable bleachers because then the video board is behind you. So that is one thing. If you're looking at it and you and you choose to sit on that kind of flat side of the arena, know that the video board is behind you and there is no way to, there's no like jumbotron or, or anything like <laughs> over the ice. There's no way for you to then see anything that they're going to put up on the board. So I would I would just throw that one out there for everybody. That being said, that kind of extendable bleacher section kind of turned into like the the like Seattle slash Firebirds like super fan arena kind of area. Uh, a lot of the hooting and hollering, a lot of the the fun face paint and the awesome like flamed out hair. Everybody, all those mm -hmm. kinds of people were all sitting there turning it into a nice little fan zone. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, if you're a fan of alcohol at all, this place has you absolutely covered. I don't know that you can go 10 feet without running into <laughs> something that's trying to sell you alcohol. Uh, definitely a big part of part of the experience there, including on either sides of the, the extended out bleacher section, two bars, uh, built-in bars on either side that you can go grab a drink and then stand at the bar, which really is you know a bar around the outside that allows you to watch the game and everything. And that was... Um, well enjoyed we'll say lots of lots of people having mm -hmm. a really good time up there <laughs> I, I, I think we'll say um so that was all cool it all created a really fun atmosphere everybody was really into the game um that's you know what you always want to see i will say that it's 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 smaller than an nhl rink as you'd expect right um but i i thought that they did it right the the way that they did the most of the layout in the sense that it's it feels small and comfortable and, and intimate. And like you're, you know, you, if you're sitting anywhere in there, you're kind of like right up on the action, which is really cool. But at the same time, it is big enough that you get the experience of being around, you know, thousands of other fans and it can get loud and everybody can get rocking with the PA system and everything can get all worked out and you can have a really good time with everybody. And you feel like you got out and we're part of, a, you know, a live sporting event experience and all that. So I think that that's kind of the best of both worlds as far as things go there. And when I say the sound system and PA system, let me tell you that thing kicks butt it was super loud you could feel the bass it was absolutely awesome whenever they'd play a song song two by blur is the firebirds home goal song put that on on twitter i know lots of people curious about that the horn i saw somebody ask about that on twitter the goal horn for the firebirds uh it's loud because the the, the pa system is loud but it's it's fairly generic i would say there's nothing that really differentiates it from from most other horns um and I'm not like a, a horn, a goal horn aficionado, so I don't know like the terminology <laughs> of like to say if it was like higher, or lower, or longer. It's a little short, but it's followed by this like hawk eagle screech. It's mm. really a hawk screech. Eagles don't screech that much, but it's a hawk screech, and it's 
that thing comes through really loud and and it's like just bordering on the line of being like too shrill but instead it just sounds fierce and epic and that comes through right after the goal horn to let you know that the the firebirds were the ones scoring that goal and it's it's really fun like that that got people going it caught us all off by surprise too uh so i really like that one they're trying to get the 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 nickname for the arena going around as the rink of fire Obviously, it's the fire of birds. Of, okay, so yeah, the yeah. rink of fire. Uh, they had uh, in as like the 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 like live musical guest to to do a, a pregame thing. They did the national anthem, which I'll talk about in a second, and then later on they were just kind of doing hits around. They had a mariachi band, and um, nice. They were they were playing Ring of Fire uh, constantly, mm-hmm. but then changing the the word to rink. And let me tell you, RJ, you have not lived. <laughs> Until you've seen Todd Lywicki hold a microphone out for a mariachi band trumpet playing Ring of Fire to be heard into. <laughs> because that is something oh I got to goodness. experience yesterday. And it was it was really something, let me tell you. Uh, oh, let's hope Jen got a shot of that. I know. It was it was pretty wild. Uh, but yes, uh, Todd Lywicki was there. Uh, his brother uh, was also there, who's, who's kind of more uh, dealing with this and helped uh, construct um, Aquashore Arena. Um, Tala Wiki did his normal hype man thing. Like that guy always knows how to mm-hmm. get a crowd going, get everybody pumped for, for the live sporting event going on. Uh, so that was cool. I will say that there was some growing pain stuff. You could tell that this was the first hockey game at the venue and there was some stuff that needed to be worked out. Um, the PA system kicks, butt. the, the wireless mics that they were giving people to do things. Not so much. There was lots of uh, problem audio problems going around, including with the mariachi band. They weren't able to ever get them accurately uh, mic'd up, and that's why Todd Lywicki had to finish doing his hype speech and then kind of use his microphone so that everybody could hear them. Uh, that happened a couple times, uh, including when they were doing the national anthem. Now, this was really cool because the mics cut out on the national anthem, so it was you know pretty faint to, to hear them from any sort of distance right. away. But what happened was people started just singing it, singing it along. Yep. And so that was really cool because it, it just slowly built and built. And then there's this one loud guy who really got everybody involved. And uh, I've got some I've got some video of that. I'll go ahead and stick that in here. Um, there was one other time though that that drew some laughs, and that was when uh, I believe it was Todd Lewicki was going to introduce Ron Francis. So it's a TV okay. timeout, and they walk down between sections. They're on the stairs between sections, and they go over the the camera cuts to them. The spotlight goes on them. Ron Francis is there, and the mic just won't work at all. And oh, no. and. They just turn around and walk away. Like, that was it. That's it. They just turn around. And we never saw or heard from Ron Francis again. I didn't know Ron Francis was there. He shows up. They cut to him on the video board. I look over. He's right there standing on the stairs. Spotlight on him. Microphone didn't work. 
they never went back to that. So I, I, oh no, that was unfortunate because I would have loved to have heard what Ron Francis had to say about everything, um, and and what the Firebirds mean to the Kraken organization, and everything. But that that one was rough. That was a little brutal. Um, so. Just, just stuff like that needs to be worked on. A little bit of polish on the uh, on the game day side of things, but they didn't really have a ton of time. I will say the other thing that I just would um, caution, warn, just give the heads up for, really, um, for anybody looking to go down there for a Firebirds game, just know that um, the because it's kind of just that one lower bowl section, uh, there is that means there is only mm-hmm. one concourse for everything. For food vendors, merch vendors, bathrooms, and entrance and exit to the arena. Everything has to go on through one concourse. And on the side of the arena where that that is kind of curled like a traditional hockey rink, that got so packed with people all trying to go to the food vendors, the merch vendors, in and out of the arena to go to the food vendors outside there, and, and then also just the bathroom lines, that it got completely... Um, congested to the point where you couldn't move. Uh, and so that was oh. kind of like a scary moment. I was trying to do like a lap during one of the intermissions just so I can kind of see like, hey, okay, what what's everybody liking? I was really trying to get a feel for the experience. And uh, yeah, I ended up, uh, I, could, I, I was stuck where I could see the timer for the intermission clock. And I stood in place for almost three and a half minutes, unable to move shoulder to shoulder front to back like just wedged in with people and there was just we moved like a couple steps and that was kind of it so i do want to warn give people the heads up intermissions just know on that side of the arena there is not a lot of space there's a lot of people all trying to do a lot of different things and things can get a little rough there so uh if you need to make a run for something i know it sucks to have to do that while the game is going but it might be the better option for you uh it'll it'll certainly save you some time and then there's also all sorts of other stuff to to worry about too because you're just you know it's a a little panicky when you get kind of stuck in a big crowd like that it's not fun especially in a post-covid world too so um i just want to give everybody the heads up about that because i I do think that that's something that uh i would if i was going to a game i would want to know in advance so i want everybody else to know um they did a great job as far as like the you know, how to get everybody going, especially for the first home opening game, uh, gave out those little light sticks, you know, just like we got at that Vegas home opener, RJ. So I got yep, one of yep. those to, to go with my Vegas one. And that was really cool when they when they kick things off, they just dropped all the lights of the arena and then just everybody's sticks were lighting up red and blinking and everybody was waving them around. It was a really cool visual effect. When they introduced the players for the first time, they had them skate out through some pyrotechnics that looked epic, especially in these awesome shots from Jen, who did a great job killing it down at the glass level, getting us awesome yep. picks that have been sprinkling. And out some of those here. are up on, on Instagram now, too. So yeah. go check those out on our Instagram. Yeah. And uh, so it all just kind of set the mood for this game. And then obviously the game itself was fantastic because the Firebirds got a win. Inaugural win. They picked up the first goal in their arena. They got the first power play in their arena. They got the first win in their arena. I mean, you really can't ask for more than that. And uh, I know everybody involved was very happy about that from the players. We heard that from Joey Decor about wanting to set that tone. Uh, in the arena, we heard that from Dan Bilesma. We heard it from just everybody involved in the organization. Everybody really wanted to win that first game, and they were able to get that win. So that was really, really cool. And then I've saved the best for last, RJ. Oh, here we go. Okay. this is And this is maybe just a little directed at RJ. 
but if you've oh, been a, if you've been an ECH fan at all for the last little bit here, you'll enjoy this too. So in the arena, oh, what's coming now? now? This is not accessible to fans, but in the arena, there's also a practice rink so that the team can practice on. And then their locker rooms are kind of in between the main rink and the practice rink. And so being the media, we got to tour the, the, the practice rink and I could, I could go over there and grab pictures of some stuff. And RJ, one of, one of your favorite, one of your boys was there. Wow. One of your boys. Oh, was they there. sent one of them down. Yep. The firebirds. Of course they're a member of the Kraken organization. Of course they need a, a, a mannequin dummy player to have out there and screen Joey decor. Come on. <laughs> oh man. So again, that's, that is awesome. I, I think they needed one of those down there. I recognize that one too. He's got the, you know, he has been missing from the Kraken from all the Kraken stuff. It's a different Jersey and everything too. Mm-hmm. There were three. Now there are two at the Kraken practices. Yeah, well, I, I should have looked into what happened to the other one, but I guess now I know. Thank you for the investigative <laughs> reporting there, Dylan. Yeah. So, uh, that's, uh, that was, that was a real kick for me. I had, I knew I had to grab a picture of that, uh, as soon as I could and, and get that as part of it. But yeah, otherwise I just had a fantastic time at the game. It was a really good, um, game day experience good arena like i said there's just it's good sight lines everywhere it's nice intimate i I love watching hockey in those smaller places you know it's just a little nicer Mm -hmm. to see it all a little more up close i think it's a lot of fun yeah it's cool well thank you so much dylan i mean that was that was uh, so like I, I felt like I was there. Um, you know, appreciate you hitting that from kind of every angle. I do have a few more questions, all right, though. Let's go. If you don't mind. Mm-hmm. First of all, uh, what was Fuego's role in all of this? I'm sure this was a huge day for him. Uh, you, you must have seen him. How, how was Fuego's night? Okay, so Fuego showed up at the, uh, the red carpet walk wearing a red sequin suit. And I was like, okay, we're like in for Fuego tonight. And then Fuego did not make an appearance until like, I believe the third period and only showed up once. And that was it. Like there was a surprising lack of Fuego. Uh, My guess is Fuego must have been out walking the concourse or or doing like fan meet and and greet Mm -hmm. type stuff instead that just in places that wasn't visible to me. But most of the in arena and entertainment was done by this guy I don't, oh, I don't remember his name. It's something cheers on Instagram. And apparently AHL okay. teams bring him in as kind of like a hype man. And the whole, the whole thing is like, he just looks like a fan and the camera cuts to him and he starts dancing and then he rips off an overshirt and he's got one of the team shirts on underneath it. And then during other stoppages, they'll cut back to him and he'll dance and he'll, he'll go like, he'll make a big deal. And then he'll rip off that shirt. And he's got another shirt on underneath it. <laughs> and then he starts throwing the shirts. He's, he's, he's ripped off out into the crowd and stuff. And let me tell you, he got everybody going. He really did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yes, uh, no Fuego, actually. Surprisingly, very little Fuego. Okay. Yeah. Well, I wonder where Fuego was. I'm sure doing something important. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe there was a, a bit of a Ron Francis Mike situation, which, by the way, love that story. I love the idea of Ron Francis traveling all the way down to Coachella Valley only to have it be just basically the Abe Simpson meme where he just takes off his hat, <laughs> turns around, puts it back on, and gets going. That's literally what happened. He walks down the stairs. I wiki goes to turn on the mic. Mike doesn't work. He turns around and goes like, it's not working. And Ron Francis turns around, walks right back up the stairs. Like he wasn't going to wait to see if they could get another mic or anything. He was just out. Oh man. That is, that is great. That's still my favorite story from all of that. 
Oh man. All right. So well, one more question for mm-hmm. you. Cause I, I you've talked about this a lot, but how, how was kind of the interaction between the fans and the players? They had like that red carpet mm-hmm. with the players coming in and really this was the, the team's first chance to kind of connect with the fans and, and you never know how a team's going to be embraced by, by a city, by a community. Um, when, I mean, they're kind of the first pro sports team ever in town. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how did the, did, you know, Coachella Valley did Palm desert, how did they react to having a pro sports team for the first time ever? They, they seemed into it. Um, almost everybody was wearing team branded merch from the beginning. So whether they were buying it on their way in or they already had it, you know, everybody who showed up last night for that home opener was, was absolutely there to celebrate that, that kind of historic moment for their community. And that was really, really cool to see. Uh, so you had lots of passionate fans. Like I said, it was a really loud arena. Everybody was into it. Um, the whole time they, they were, they were kind of the good kind of vocal. I'll say they did a lot of cheering, not really any booing or call it or like, you know, yelling refs, you suck or anything like that. Like they were just there to support their guys and try to will them to victory, which they were definitely able to do. I think the crowd definitely helped out uh, them surviving that kind of late flurry from Tucson. Uh, but they were, yeah, they were just really solid. They were very, very passionate. You could tell some of them still trying to learn the finer points of hockey or, or maybe what it's like to be at a hockey game. Uh, lots Nothing of, wrong with that. No, 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 not at all. Uh, so lots of, lots of the, just the little things like the, you know, you can't walk down to your seat while pucks in play, right? You're, you're held up at the top mm-hmm. of your, at the top That's of your section, one. right? So just stuff like that was, was kind of a new concept to a lot of people. Um, but it's still, it's just fun because that's part of what all of this is about is trying to get hockey into newer markets, grow the fan base for the sport overall, in addition to just creating that fan base for that team within that community. Um, but yeah, overall, I'd say they, they were totally willing to embrace this team. They were ready for it. And yeah, they, they love their firebirds. All right. That is, that is great to hear. Um, and just happy. They, they have their home now. The long mm-hmm. road trip is over. Uh, they get to drive home yes. know, from games. Uh, that that's was... gotta be huge for, for everybody involved with that organization, not just the players and the coaches, uh, but everyone, you know, who, who works with the team, especially on the PR side, uh, shout yes. out to Evan Pivnik, who's been super helpful, uh, in arranging yep. this stuff with us and, and allowed us to, to be there to cover the game. Uh, yeah. so just wanted to thank Evan for that. And, and, and yeah. they've just been awesome. Yeah. Evan was great. Gina was great. She gave us the tour of the arena. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, Lots of lots of cool. I got to meet lots of the uh, either AHL based media or um, the kind of local Coachella Valley, Palm Springs based sports reporters and photographers. So it was cool to see all them. They're super pumped to have this around. Let me tell you. Oh, man, they are happy about it. So um, that was all really, really fun and cool. And yeah, I, I can't wait to get back out there. Yep, Sounds like a great time. All right, Dylan, you ready to dive into the mailbag? Yes, let's do it. All right. So um, thank you to everyone who sent in questions, uh, you know, kind enough to to make this mailbag what it is. And again, long overdue mailbag. Um, But let's let's just go ahead and get started here with some of your questions. Um, And we'll we'll start with, I guess, some, you know, I I kind of 
bundled these three together basically because they're all kind of on on a similar theme here mm -hmm. um you know the the kind of injuries what's up with that guy kind of question um so we'll, we'll start with uh team spindles and this is a question that we feels like we get this every day or every other day um but uh i feel like we should you know answer it here on the yeah. podcast on the mailbag just so people can hear it uh question is what do you think is going on with donskoy why has he been on ir for so long is this on purpose um, so as far what do you think is going on with Donskoy? Well, the official answer is that he has an upper body injury that he's had since the preseason. Uh, I think it was a game in Vancouver where he, uh, was, was injured there. Um, and yeah, he just, he has not been on the ice at all this season. Um, why has he been on IR for so long? basically because he's still injured. And uh, when you look at maybe an upper body injury and something that might be taking this long to heal, um, again, we don't know anything official, but you start to look at maybe the head or that kind of injury because, you know, most other upper body injuries kind of probably would have healed by now. Um, so we're not sure exactly, but that's, that's the story on him. And uh, we're not expecting him to see him back on the ice anytime soon, unfortunately. Um yeah, so that, that's the story with Donskoy. Um, and then this one from Ahab. I assume it's due to injury history, but any thoughts on Jaden Schwartz never really practicing? Um, now, that that's an interesting case because it's not almost, you know, he never, he's, he's rarely a full participant in practice, mm -hmm. uh, but he's out there on the ice just about every day. He's just in a track suit. He's not in the full equipment. And uh, that it could be due to injury history. Um, you know, we we know it was mentioned on a national broadcast somewhere about maybe something about a skin condition. You know, I don't know anything on that officially, but that would track as mm -hmm. far as we know he's healthy. We know he's not injured. He's playing games. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, if there was some kind of skin condition or something, then, um, you know, then it would make sense not to have him in his equipment a as often as possible. And so you get him in the track suit and all that. So maybe that's what's going on, but we don't know for sure. Um, and then uh, finally in this category, this one from Julius, uh, has there been any new information regarding the goaltending switch in Carolina? So uh, no, there hasn't been, um, you know, Dave Haxtell didn't give us a whole lot on that. Just obviously something happened after morning skate uh, hasn't really clarified on that a ton. Uh, Martin Jones, appears to be good to go and, and has been since. And, he, you know, he backed up in that game. So if something were to happen to Grubauer, Martin Jones would have been the guy to play net for, for the Kraken. Um, so yeah, no new information. I, I, I don't think we're going to get any, uh, to be honest. So, uh, those, those are the three kind of questions in that category. Um, and let's, let's move on to a question from Daniel here as I, I let you rest your voice a little bit Dylan, <laughs> during the start of this, uh, much needed, I think. So Daniel asks, he says, I've gone back and listened to some of your early podcasts just after the expansion draft and at the beginning of last season. What expansion draft picks have been your biggest surprises in a good way and then also your disappointments? Wow. So that's a very interesting question. And I, I have gone back once or twice since the expansion draft and looked at our uh, looked at our podcasts, you know, from right around then um, and and let's say they're a little bit rough. Uh, just, you know, we hadn't quite gotten the timing down of just, you know, when one person stops talking, when the other one starts. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, we definitely did have takes about some of the picks. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I think some of, some have turned out to be better than others, but so Dylan, anyone standing out as, you know, biggest positive surprises, biggest disappointments. I mean, biggest positive surprise, I, like is Jared McCann, 
like count. I mean, we knew Jared McCann would be good, but for him to do everything that he's done both last season and then continuing that this season when it comes to goal scoring has just been kind of next level. Like he's ascended into that kind of next tier of top goal scorers in the NHL. And, you know, finally having that chance uh, with a with a team, with an expansion team, really, right, to, to get those top six minutes, to, to get the power play time, to just get put in a, a spot where he can um, go at it, like like the way he has been. And then obviously all the work he's put into to perfecting his shot and continuing to keep it at a high level. I mean, Jared McCann has really surprised me a, a lot. I think going back and looking... Um, Really, the biggest thing that surprises me as I go back and I look here at the expansion draft is just how many of these faces have come and gone already. It's only been I a know, year and right? a half. Yep. I mean, we, we've got you know some left on the team, but yeah, a lot of them uh, you know, have kind of gone elsewhere. Uh, but that's, that's the nature of the expansion draft. That's just kind of how it works, especially when you've got 23 roster spots and you got 30 expansion draft picks. You know, we knew from the start that, that some of these guys would go. I think Jared McCann is a great answer as far as biggest positive surprise. I think we both thought he would be good. We had good things to say about that pick. I mean, my I remember my biggest take at the time was uh, he was a no-brainer over Alex Kerfoot, who was yes. the other rumored guy. I was like, these two players are not in the yeah. same in the same sphere here. Um, but uh, I I don't think either of us would have predicted that he would lead the team in goals after that first season, mm-hmm. uh, and that he would still be leading the team in goals, you know, halfway through or you know, third of the way through their second season. So that was a big positive surprise. To name a different name, and I. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to be the one to to bring him up here instead of you, but Adam Larson, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize he was that good. I hadn't watched a ton of him in his career with New Jersey at Edmonton. I thought, you know, second pairing kind of guy probably. I mean, he was being paid second pairing mm-hmm. money, really. Um, but to be the the top pairing minute mantra that he has been, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, and I, I think that's fair too, especially looking uh, at his past performances. Like, it, he was always just kind of stuck in these no-win situations with both New Jersey and Edmonton and as far as what his role was or, or what the teams around him were, were going for, and, and they just never really fit up with his style. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is, he is a kind of guy who, you know, is he like S-tier, ultra-elite, top, you know, amazing defenseman? I would maybe argue so. I think, you know, you could make the argument maybe not. But he's perfectly capable of being that top guy for a team. And we're seeing that with the Kraken as he goes out there night in, night out. And he can help contribute, you know, he can help offensively 5v5. Obviously, he helps defensively through the neutral zone. He's really still the only Kraken defenseman that kind of gets any work done in the neutral zone, trying to stymie opposing teams enter the zone for them. Uh, That's a big part of today's NHL. And Adam Larson's that guy for the Seattle Kraken. Um so yeah, Adam Larson has definitely been a big surprise. There's been some on here like, you know, Brandon Tanev, he's been fantastic, but I think we kind of knew what what he could bring in as far as personality yep. and then obviously just that that on-ice motor and drive. Um if I had to just kind of give like a bonus name, Jordan Eberle. Uh I was kind of hmm. down on him going back through that process. I thought his best days were kind of in his past. I wasn't sure how much um goal scoring he could bring, how how much of a scoring threat he could be, whether or not he could be like kind of this threat that people would have to pay attention to in your top 6. And while things have been up and down for him with the Seattle Kraken, the one thing he has brought is solid and consistent leadership. And I think we've really seen that from Jordan Eberle. And, and we've seen the positives of having that around both last season as they as the whole team went through their struggles 
and then continuing into this season as the team is better, as you have a young kid like a Matty Beniers around, um, to have somebody like Jordan Everly in there around him day after day, uh, I think has been a big boon for this organization. Yeah, and it's not the kind of thing you necessarily think of on the day of the expansion draft when all that's going on. You're trying to you know put lines together mm-hmm. in your head, uh, but that leadership aspect has been huge. So we do have to cover this. Yep. Uh, disappointments, Dylan. What What do you think? Well, I can start actually. Okay. If you yeah. want. I was gonna say, are we gonna get rid of like all the names that like never even played for the Kraken and everything? Like, do they count? I mean, I don't because. That's not really fair, right? Probably weren't that high. Yeah, I mean, like, am I disappointed that Tyler Pitlick didn't didn't ever do anything for the Kraken? Not really. I'd rather have that fourth round pick. Yeah, I was gonna say, look, they had to they had to pick thirty people because they had to take one for thirty teams. Rosters only what twenty two people, so (laughs) new. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll start with just kind of like the elephant in the room disappointment here, and and a lot of it is through no fault of his own. We were just talking about him, Mm -hmm. Jonas Donskoy. Mm. I, I. I, I just think if you're looking at it objectively, uh, yeah. things haven't gone as he had hoped in Seattle. And, and you know, part of that is just being snake bitten for the start of his, his first season in Seattle. And then, you know, things just not going well at the end of the season. And then, of course, this this crazy injury that that's mm-hmm. just kept him out all year this year. Um, I I was really excited to have Jonas Donskoy on board. Yeah. I thought he was going to do some really great things for the Kraken and, you know, in a, in a lot of ways out of his hands. But it, that just has not has not uh, happened. Yeah, no, and I, I totally understand that one. Uh, I, th- I think that that's, you know, kind of a, a, a quote unquote good pick for something like this. Um, as, as rough as that is. Uh, I think if, if I was to go with someone like trying to pick somebody who's still like on the team and everything too, not like a Jeremy Lauzon and we know how that situation worked out. And everything, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd probably go Vince Dunn just because he ha- he didn't live up to the expectations that we had. But as we talked about on, I don't remember if it was last week on the deep dive or on one of the post-game lives this from this past week, Vince Dunn has turned into something different. And he's still a really good player, still very much deserving of being a top-pairing player with alongside Adam Larson. It was just going back through the expansion draft process, he was going to be like, our power play quarterback, offensive defenseman, going to drive offense. He was ready to just explode onto the scene in Seattle, finally get all those minutes that he wasn't able to get in St. Louis. And instead, he he kind of didn't, right? And he's starting to turn into more of a defensive defenseman. And he's picked up a lot of a lot of um, good good uh, stuff from Adam Larson, playing with him now for a season and a half. And uh, we all know the story kind of on the power play last season and and leading them to bring in a Justin Schultz to kind of take over power play one um, duties uh, on the blue line there. So I guess if I had to pick somebody like like just an interest of being fair to the question of somebody who's still around and on the team, I would I would have to go with him, unfortunately, even though he isn't bad, like he's still very much deserving of being a top pairing defenseman. It's just not he's just not doing what we thought he was going to be doing. He's excelling in other ways. Right. And I understand that argument, too. I, I think we were if you go back and watch those videos, we were very excited about the prospect of, you know, what Vince Dunn could do offensively. And I don't think we've, we've kind of seen the full range of what we thought we were going to get, um, even though he's still continued to be a very a good, productive player. Um, so I, I think that's a fair answer. Not not as easy, not as easy like low hanging fruit as me picking Donskoy. So I respect <laughs> that in, in your answer as well. So sticking with the expansion draft, while we've kind of got that up here, uh, another question from Daniel. Looking back now, do you think Morgan Geeky was the right pick from Carolina? 
This is this is an interesting one because I was kind of on board with with grabbing a a Jake Bean at that time, um, just getting another kind of offensive defenseman, somebody who was just kind of you know stuck uh, for lack of a better word behind an absolutely stacked blue line there in Carolina, uh, and then Ron Francis went and grabbed a Morgan Geeky, somebody he was familiar with from his time with the Carolina Hurricanes, and looking into Morgan Geeky, it was like well. He's really good at face-offs at a young age, which is something that, you know, is highly unusual. And the Kraken, you know, they were going to need centers and all of that. And then we've obviously seen this season what Morgan Geeky means on the um, the PK, especially, and just providing mm-hmm. some depth scoring and stuff for the organization. Um, so I, I do think that so far Morgan Geeky is looking like a very, very good pick for uh, the Seattle Kraken from Carolina there. I'm trying to find Jake Bean here just so I could see what he's been up to lately. Wasn't he on Columbus? Yeah, he got traded to Columbus. Yeah, why is he not on their roster? Uh, I don't know. Oh, because he's one of a thousand players injured for them. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. I they have, they have some serious injury problems. Yeah, that is a lot of injuries. So he had 25 points last season in 67 games, playing with the Blue Jackets, seven goals. He's been pretty injured this year, six points in 14 games. Um, again, though, didn't really kind of turn into that offensive power play quarterback defenseman that I think even Columbus was looking for. Kind of similar situation to Vince Dunn in Seattle. Uh, and so in that sense, I'm, I'm happy with having Morgan Geeky and, and him providing that depth scoring, him helping out and being such a big difference maker on the penalty kill for the Kraken. I mean, he's just absolutely killing it there um, rather than maybe kind of having another another defenseman we you know certainly through last season we had a lot of defensemen uh, in the works especially if it's another defenseman who's either going to be dealing with injury issues or um, maybe not kind of finding finding work on the power play and making that all happen yeah no i i think that's you know that that's a fair assessment and if you look at kind of positional value too with what the kraken had on the blue line i just i think jake bean might have struggled to break through um the only other player i i'd look at is maybe with the benefit of hindsight you might have wanted to bring in uh is nino niederreiter mm-hmm. uh, because he was available there just had one year left on his deal the kraken had the cap space to to afford him and from the mindset of, of looking at last season, I think I think the Kraken should be happy with where they're at now. And if you look at, okay, the timeline's not going to, that first season, they're not going to be a playoff team. Yeah. Then you want Morgan Geeky because he's a younger player you can build around. But all the times last season where we were thinking, man, this team could use a 20-goal scorer. And that's yeah. what Nino Niederreiter was last season. Um, so I think if you were trying to be better right off the bat, he's probably who you want. Um, but, but I think, you know, with, with the full benefit of hindsight, looking where they're at now, I, I wouldn't change that pick. Yeah. And, you know, you could make other arguments too, right? Like, yeah, if, if Nino Niederreiter is around, how many of those one goal games that they lost last season are different results? And if it's, the answer is not many, he was a perfect rental to have at the trade deadline too. Totally. So yeah, uh, with how Ron Francis was selling off, he would have been able to get a good return for him. Yeah. So uh, that that one is definitely a good one, but yeah, Morgan Geeky, he's he's making things work. He is he is kind of really solidified and locked down that fourth line center spot with the Seattle Kraken, and I don't think he's going anywhere for a while. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, he has he has earned that spot, uh, which is great to see. Yeah. So, uh, last last question, this little group from Daniel here: Are there any players that are no longer with the Kraken that you wish they held on to? Okay, so let me let me see here. 
let me go to their their roster from last season because uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of guys that have shuffled <laughs> through in in a season and a half. Let me tell you. Um, uh, so it's an interesting question, actually. So, yeah, it is. I mean, a, f- a few names come to mind that I, you know, that I'm thinking of where you could have d- different potential angles to it. Yeah. Um, I, I think of of maybe a um, I'm, okay. The one that I miss the most, that just personally I miss yeah. the most, is Colin Blackwell. Yeah. Because I mean, c- come on, I, any any Kraken fan who you know watched mm-hmm. last season knows what Colin Blackwell brought. But again, he was he was there in the um, he was in the uh, the geo trade at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I don't know that I would, you know, that I would make those picks worse in order to not include him in the deal, knowing he was going to be a pending free agent. So um, I, I wouldn't undo that trade, but I, right. I just I just miss him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I totally feel that. I mean, I feel that way with some guys that that are just like this Coachella Valley count is not with the Kraken. Can I say Cole Lind and the goalie kisses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It would be nice to have him up. I mean, just the insane forward depth they have. That's another reason where I'm like, would, would Blackwell even, you know, find a spot on this roster though? I don't think he would like, like if he's got to compete against Donato and Sprong and, and stuff for those kind of depth forward minutes, I, I don't know that yeah. he does. Um, and if we're going with players, we know, you know, that, well, this yeah. one we know wouldn't be able to keep a roster spot, but I also miss him. Magnus Helberg. Yes. Yes. Way too many goalies. Cause I was going to say, does Joey count? Can we give me just call up Joey? Um, yeah. I guess for me, I, I'd have to say Victor Rask. Uh, <laughs> of course, there it is. I know there it's, it is. I know it's kind of the meme pick and stuff, but I still feel like it, whenever you need somebody, like just in a clutch moment for whatever reason, he really felt that at CPA specifically. So even if you just kind of had him around as somebody who only played home games for you, like maybe you find somebody who's a road warrior and they split duties and he just plays 41 games for you, but he picks up like six clutch goals over those 41 home games. That's worth it, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. I, the the other name I probably shouldn't go here. Oh, this this is gonna make oh, no. some people mad, but maybe Vitek Vanacek, Kraken legend Vitek Vanacek. Because yeah. it, if you kept him, it means you went cheap in net, and yep. I just I think that is the thing to do. You've got more cap space elsewhere, and with the benefit of hindsight, we know that Vanacek turned out to be really good, and he's playing well mm-hmm. for the Devils right now. Yeah, and I think you know that's that's something. Um... A lot of people kind of foresaw in his future. That's partly why the Kraken were able to do what they were, what they did with him, uh, as far yep. as kind of flipping him right after after taking him for for a pick there. Um, but yeah, that's that's really not a bad one. That I, that's one that's going to explode up in the comment section. I know. Yeah, let me have it. But uh, I had to mention Vitek Vanacek there. All right, so I, I think we covered that question pretty well. Yeah, good um, question. Yeah, no, very good questions there, Daniel. Um, so next one from Seattle Kraken GM, who may or may not have been uh, in Coachella Valley with you <laughs> last night. Uh, who slash which picks am I flipping at the trade deadline? If one, we're gearing up for the playoffs two, we're on the bubble and not a hundred percent in mm-hmm. and three out of it and are looking at the future. No jinx, no jinx, no jinx. So uh question here, looking ahead to the trade deadline, basically yeah. in the three kind of scenarios the Kraken could be in yeah, uh, and, and what picks they might be willing to, to put in play. Well, this is easy because I feel like for uh, Ron Francis and the rest of this front office, I feel like 
whichever of those three scenarios they find themselves in, the answer is going to be the same, which is you kind of don't do anything, I think. Yeah, I, I think that would be the wise move. And, and knowing this front office, I think they know to make the wise move. Yeah. Um, you know, this this is just the start of, you know, of what your window could be. And you don't and especially without a, a bunch of years of, of prospects and picks that you have, you don't want to be giving up draft picks willy nilly, you know, just for, for this season when you got such a bright future ahead of you. I think, though, if they are firmly in a playoff spot, you know, ready to go. I do think that Ron Francis will reward the team with one addition, probably on the blue line, maybe just a mid round pick or something that they're giving up. Not, not a lot, or, or unfortunately, maybe even a guy like Cole Lind or just, mm-hmm. you know, somebody um, that you have to ship out. You have to give to get. Um, but I think just as a, as a signal to the team to reward them for what they've done this season. And as a signal to the fans that like, look, we're going to the playoffs. Let's, Right. You know, we're, we're, we're in, we're, we're trying to win this thing. You know, we're not all in yet because that doesn't make any sense, but, but we're in, yeah. you know, we're, we're not just, we're going to give them some reinforcements here. Um, so I, I think that maybe a mid round pick you would surrender um, in that scenario just to reward the team. Yeah. You do have an extra fourth rounder from, from Colorado and you have a couple extra second rounders uh, from both Winnipeg and Toronto. Um, it's just tough because like, let's just think back to this last draft and what Ron Francis was able to turn all these picks into as far as prospect wise. And you look at, at them having four second round picks, they, they, they're on track to have three in the next draft. And you look at those four second round picks and you go very easily see at least two NHL players come out of this you know, to some yeah. degree of, of NHL capability, right? Like, you don't maybe see a, an absolute stud superstar, but you certainly look and you see a couple couple guys that seem destined for the NHL and then other guys who have a good shot at making the NHL. And when you look at a te- an expansion team that had, you know, no prospects two years ago, that's a big deal. And that those, those kinds of things still hold weight years after, right? We always talk about picks being a currency. I mean, prospects are their own form of currency as well. And as we look at, at kind of future moves that the Kraken are going to have to make, as you have guys like Jordan Everly with only one year left on a contract after this year, Wenberg with only one year left on a contract after this year, when you start looking at that stuff, Yanni Gord with only two years left on a contract after this year, that that stuff starts kind of coming into play a little bit. Um, so I, I I don't know. I just I still feel like if you know a third rounder, I'd give up to to bring somebody in, like you said, reward the team. Um, but otherwise, I, I just think in all the, in all the scenarios, the best thing for the Seattle Kraken to do is just kind of hold firm and and yeah. continue to build up the prospect pool. Uh, if this roster is is a roster that's that's you know gonna rip off seven game win streaks and stuff, then they can do that in the playoffs as is. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, this you know this team, it's basically it's about how they play. It's it's really about them playing their game. We've seen them be able to beat the best teams in the league. We've seen them lose to some bad teams, you know, when they're not playing uh, the way that they can play. So I think that's what matters the most. Um, and yeah, it'd be nice to have some extra depth on defense in case, as we just yeah. saw with Alexiak and Schultz being out, yeah. uh, just someone on the blue line. So you're not, you know, picking guys out of the AHL. Um, but, you know, is that worth giving up maybe the next 
Jagger Furkus or Yanni Newman or, or, or Riker Evans, you know, second round picks, they're, they're valuable and they can turn into really good prospects. Right. And this would, this would all be different if say Beniers and Shane Wright are a year older, right? Matty Beniers has yep. already got a full season under his belt. He's like a point per game guy, absolute stud first line center. And Shane Wright has also gotten, you know, however much NHL experience he, he would have and is, and is ready to be a, a really solid middle six center who can either be a shutdown third liner if you if you want him to be at this point or have him be kind of a top six guy who who kind of blossoms into a really good center in his own right over the course of a second season so I feel like those are the things where it's like okay now is the time to add because those are the things that can make this roster take that next step into Stanley Cup contention versus just playoff contention right now the team is just kind of in playoff contention but with a really bright future I just don't want to sell out that bright future to just have better playoff contention team you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah no I I know what you mean and um like also oh man I forgot the point I was gonna make totally forgot it but no no it's all good it's all good um but uh, yeah, uh, all right. Well, let's move on. Actually, I think we kind of covered the next question I had. This one from from Ahab. Even if things go well, I don't think we should be buyers because of our thin prospect pool. Am I too cautious? No, I don't think you're too cautious, as we just outlined. Um, you know, if things don't go well, are there prospects close enough to NHL ready uh, that we can be sellers without setting our competitive timeline back? Um, I, I think you know if. I just don't, I don't think the Kraken are in position to, to be sellers at all. Even if things don't go well, they're going to be close enough to that bubble. I don't yeah. think they're going to sell off. No, I don't think they, they are. And I don't know that they're close enough to, to having those prospects. Like they have really, really good prospects somehow already, despite only having two drafts worth, they have a really, really good prospect pool. Um, but I don't know that really anybody who isn't with the NHL club right now outside of Shane Wright is NHL ready. That includes Riker Evans, includes Jagger Furcus, uh, Neiman, everybody. Like, I just don't think anybody's NHL ready. Um, there will be question marks about about most of them continuing into next year about whether they'd be NHL ready. So I don't think it makes sense to sell off. I do think that having a playoff run under your belt, try to get a playoff series or two in, I still think that that's all uh, a benefit to this club, benefit to guys like uh, Matty Beniers, Shane Wright, if he's going to be around. Anybody that you see as as a long-term uh, part of your team, Andre Burakovsky, you know what I mean, Oliver Bjorkstrand, I think that's all in their best interest is to is to keep going and, and try to make the playoffs, but, but not to sell out for it. Yep. Agreed. So um, on to the next question. So going from kind of the trade deadline and that type of thing to, I guess, next off season, uh, this next question from Hunter, should the Kraken prioritize getting a top pairing defenseman in the off season? This seems like the biggest hole on the roster at the moment. Um, So we're still a ways out. I think uh, the rest of this season and and maybe potentially playoffs is going to really inform uh, you know, what the Kraken need to do this off season and, and um, you know, the, what kind of angle they take. It seems like they're going to have some cap space to work with yeah. um, depending on how much the cap goes up, but the, they got a few contracts, Donskoy, you know, being a, a big one coming off the books um, that, that they're going to have. And uh, yeah, I think um, at least as it is right now, you know, a top pairing defenseman or as good of a defenseman as you can get is probably their biggest need at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Um, but you know, we can say this about what, how many teams? Twenty six of the thirty two in the NHL, probably. So it's yep. it is one of those where it's every year we see this of 
You know, if you want those guys, you generally you have to overpay for them. You, you got to draft them and develop them yourself, or you got to make an outlandish trade for one. That's that's kind of the way it goes because there's just we'll see that with Chikrin soon. Yes, it's just there's just so few of them uh, going around the NHL that everybody wants one, everybody needs one kind of thing. Uh, I do think the Kraken do need to look at bolstering the blue line. I do think you know having somebody else in there who could be like an Adam Larson, but maybe better on the PK or something, right? Kind of a, a true lockdown defender who's also capable of, of you know chewing up twenty five minutes a night as needed and, and contributing on special teams defensively. I I definitely don't think that would be a bad thing for this for this Kraken team, especially because. You know, he's asking whether or not that's their biggest hole. It, it could still be argued goaltending is still the biggest hole, but that one isn't one that's easily addressed given Philip Grubauer's contract situation. So the, your your next best option is to try to shore up the defense in front of, of the crease. Yeah, definitely. And and you look at the defensemen who were available. Uh, we had John Klingberg's name was tied to the crack and a lot mm-hmm. going into this past off season. Um, I think it's good that they didn't bite. Uh, on him then because i mean he hasn't had a very good season so far in anaheim um but maybe that could be another uh, name that gets revisited and and looked at again and maybe for a bargain price too if he he continues to have a a bad end of the season um you know maybe teams shy away and you you might actually be able to get him for a bargain price uh, much less than you would have ever thought a year ago so um you know that that could be a good acquisition potentially yep agreed all right so here we go. On to our last question here. This one from Lena. Who should the Kraken send to the All-Star game based on the season so far? You can't say Maddie Beneers. And uh, and has there been a player who positively surprised you this season so far? So we can't say Maddie Beneers. Why can't I, we say I, Maddie Beneers? I know. Why can't we say Maddie Beneers? He's the answer. But for some reason, if it's not Maddie Beneers, yeah. who should the Kraken send to the All-Star game? What do you think? This is a tough one. I mean, we talked about Jared McCann earlier, obviously leads the team in goal scoring. I feel like that's a good one. Um, but to be honest, I think it would have to be Andre Burakovsky for me. Leads the team in points, and I think he's a fun guy, got a fun personality, and I'd love to see that at the skills competition because let's be real, that's what it's all about with the All-Star game and determining who you want to send to the All-Star game. It's all about either getting Maddie votes for Calder or it's about sending a you know you know one of your most skilled players, but who also has a big personality. I think that's Andre Burakovsky. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good answer because you're right. It's all about the skills competition and, and who could bring something special to skills competition. I think Jared McCann would would do really well in the accuracy shooting or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, if not him, just McCann for that shot and and let the league be put on notice of just how good of a shot he has. Um, I feel like they just would waste him in some kind of like stick handling or you know outdoor tar- i don't know some, <laughs> i was gonna say some kind of where, outdoor passing drill where where is it this year because you know they're not going to do like the blackjack shooting challenge what what will that be um, replaced is it south with? florida oh yeah that sounds right so gator shooting in south florida <laughs> gator shooting yeah i get i don't know have jared mccann go shoot some gators i don't i don't know um but uh yeah th- those i guess would be our answers there um it, you know a, a month ago i would have said martin jones yeah, I mean, Martin Jones had to earn that spot, especially in a Pacific division that's going to need goaltenders. <laughs> Martin Jones was, was looking like somebody. Another one, you know, Yanni Gord, obviously, would also be fantastic in any sort of skills competition. Um, 
bring the kids along, get them involved in a, in a shootout or something like that too. Like, I think those are, those are always fun uh, instances. And again, just another big personality and who better to really kind of be an ambassador for the Seattle Kraken at any sort of league wide thing than Yanni Gord. Yeah, no, definitely. And he could bring his daughter there too. I know he would uh, have a good time with that. He's taken her out on the ice to mm-hmm. skate um, at KCI before. So, that, you know, a lot of it's for the kids and then the players' kids always have a great time. That'd be a good one. Okay, so I was wrong. This was not the last question. I, I <laughs> scrolled down okay. and found another one. This one from Gaby here. Um, of the 2022 Baby Squids D plus one, are there any notable developments to any of their games, good or bad? So I feel like this is going to be a you question here. If so, does that change the guy's NHL projection and how? So basically, uh, you know, get some of your prospect chat, uh, mm-hmm. you know, summarize some of that in here. And then follow up, who gets the assist in 2027 when Jagger Furcus scores his 50th NHL goal of the season? And why is it Ty Nelson? Well, I was going to say Ty Nelson is absolutely crushing it. That that kid is going to be so special at the NHL level. I can't wait for him. And he's going to come probably sooner than anybody would think for a defenseman picked in a third round. Um, I don't think next year, but the year after that, absolutely. Uh, he's playing so, so well. Um, we, we inadvertently talked about him on the last Prospect Live chat I did on uh, Patreon. That's still up there. If you are a Terror of the Deep Tier patron, you can you can go check out the VOD of that. When I was talking about uh, Goyette, we had a highlight that involved Ty Nelson making a fantastic defensive play, showing that he's he's more than just the kind of point per game production that he can he can do at the OHL. He's he's got defensive chops too. Um, so Ty Nelson to me is still someone who is growing leaps and bounds. He was someone very much so affected by the canceled OHL season for COVID and that disrupting his development. I think if you were if he was to be draft eligible after having the year he's having this year right now. This would be a, a borderline first round player, uh, and the Kraken, you know, got an absolute steal there at in uh, round three. So, Ty Nelson, he's he's fantastic. If that fiftieth goal from Jagger Perkis is a power play goal, it would definitely be coming from from Ty Nelson. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. Um, and then uh, as far as the other players uh, going on, I mean, we 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 talked uh, about Yanni earlier. Um, I have the stats here for him with team Finland so far this season. Cause we'd said he'd been crushing it, uh, during like the friendlies and stuff that, that, uh, the U 20 team for Finland has, he's led the team in scoring so far this season with seven goals and 13 points in eight games. Wow. That's uh that's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, that he's absolutely crushing it. He's another one with that size. Skating is still the only thing that I see out of him that's like, okay, that's not NHL ready. Otherwise, everything else is absolutely NHL ready. Um, someone, someone who who's going to make waves at the NHL level moving forward. Jagger Furcus been talked about a bunch. He's on that like epic point streak. I don't know if it if it ended up ending yet or not. It just feels like it's going forever in the WHL. Um, but he's he's doing what he does which is he he plays uh elite hockey he's really smart he he can dissect any defense he's obviously got finishing ability it's just a matter of size and it will only ever be a matter of size and it's just a matter of how long is it going to take for him to put on enough weight that he can survive at the nhl level and not just get destroyed kind of the way we saw in the preseason where he can go for a check and he ends up just bouncing off of somebody comically and ending up on the ground um because uh, you know as soon as he he has enough strength and weight behind him that he's not going to be taken out of plays 
he's he's going to be an NHL player and he's going to do do very very well for this team. Um, Goyette has some more work to do. Um, he's the one of the second round picks, the well, the non goalie second round picks because goalies are its own magic and yeah whatever um, <laughs> that I have questions about as far as NHL role one day. Um, I think he's he's someone who his his floor is still very high is probably like an elite AHL center. Um, but I do wonder with his size and kind of some of the limitations I see overall with his game, what his role with an NHL club would be, because I don't know that he could do a Morgan geeky thing where he could be a fourth line center for you, but contribute on a PK right. And in, in a big time way. And so, um, that's, that's kind of where I have Goyette. And those are, those are really like the top guys from, from this last draft anymore. I'll save for one of those prospect chats on Patreon. (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, good idea. Um, but uh, good question there um, on the prospects. And yeah, we'll see who gets the assist on, on Jagger Farkas's 50th goal when we get there. Yeah, and I'll give a bonus one for uh, for Riker Evans. So different draft mm. class, but I'll give a bonus Riker yep. Evans update just because I, I saw him last year, uh, last year, last night. Um, uh, Riker Evans still offensive stud. The dude sees the ice so well. He always wants to go for for these awesome passes, and he's skilled enough to pull most of them off. He needs to stay at the AHL level, though. Um, that was that was one of the takeaways I guess I missed for the from this Firebirds game. Joey Decord only only three shots against Joey uh, deep into the second period. Only three shots. Uh, had a couple goals though because he just had zero defensive help. There was there was many a picture where there's like two or three roadrunners all around Joey there for rebounds and he's just got no one there to help him out and um one of them was a back door that Riker Evans just really did not close or attempt to close at all there so Riker Evans needs to he still needs to work on things in his own zone a little bit before he he's ready I think well three shots to at least two grade a chances sounds like they're playing the Kraken system already um that's good to hear it was very familiar i was telling all the ahl reporters because they're like yeah this you know this happened the other night against roadrunners too or whatever i said it's just a crack an organizational thing this is the, this is just <laughs> what they do systematically it's fine uh yes Got, gotta love that if you're a goalie yeah those save percentages uh there's more than meets the eye we'll say that's for sure um all right so thank you everyone who submitted questions for our mailbag um Great to do this. Got to do this again sooner, yes. um, you know, th- than how long we left it last time, because uh, you all have some awesome questions. Really enjoyed uh, diving in and answering those. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, made for a really fun episode. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for, for joining us for that one. Thanks for hanging around as this podcast went a little longer than normal, but we had lots of fun stuff to talk about, including that mailbag section. Uh, one more shout out to Queen Anne Beer Hall. Thank you so much for sponsoring this, and we will see you all next time. Hey everyone, before we go, we just wanted to take a moment to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over on patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep tier patrons, Alex, Brian, Coop, Daryl, Duthin, Eli, Gary, Jared, Jay, Joey, Joni, Joshua, Kitty B. Kraken, Leanne, Maya, Paige, Paul, Rebecca, Scott, Sean, Sergeant Pickles, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Tyler, and Wendy. Thank you so much for making all of this possible. We really appreciate your support.